0: What well, a blessing it is to be here tonight. Thank the Lord. Colossians chapter 1. What well, a blessing it is to hear these men sing. I'm telling you what, folks. It's incredible how the Lord puts things together. But if you let God uh, be in charge, uh, He'll put everything together just like a puzzle. Every piece in its proper place. God, God does that. And uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with... Uh, I, see, I don't believe in voices from heaven. I don't believe in... Uh, visions, uh, seeing things that you, when the Bible got completed, when the Bible became completed, uh, then those voices and visions, we just trust the Word of God. This is God's voice right here, okay? And what God wants us to see, this is what it is right here, okay? The Word of God. But um, I'm telling you, it gets a little spooky at times when you ask God to lead, guide, and direct, and He does, and He puts things together like a glove. I appreciate that special. You'll see in just a moment how it works so well uh, with the message. And I uh, also appreciate your pastor. Uh, I'm telling you, you got something here. And I hope and pray that you recognize God's man amongst you and that you'll follow his leadership. Uh, I'm thinking, he's a sharp-looking young man. You know that? A sharp-looking young man. I feel sorry for my congregation. Uh, you got a pastor with hair. I'm thinking about growing my eyebrows out and combing them backwards. You know, uh, I I trust that verse that says, those whom the Lord blesseth, he maketh fat. Amen, with emphasis on fat. I like that. You know, thin may be in, but fat's where it's at. My idea of a scenic view, I like scenic views, but my idea of a scenic view is to open up the refrigerator and just look. What is there? I'm telling you what. Well, uh, I, I told people for years. I said, I've, I've married a good cook. She married a good eater. And that's a bad combination. But I thank the Lord for what he's given me. And I thank the Lord for being here. It's been a blessing to meet you folks. And I was, uh, we got to go to Brother Corey's uh, place of business today. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to see how much my ring is worth. So I gave him my ring, and I said, you tell me what that's worth. So he found out it's 14 karat gold, and he, he weighed it and looked at it and everything like that. He said it's worth $125. I said, it is not. He's not anywhere as close. Folks, I wouldn't take $10,000 for this. Now, if you start talking hundreds of thousands, we might, we might listen a little bit, and I can convince my wife I can get lots of rings for that. But this thing's worth a whole lot more than $125. I lost my, you know, he lost credit with me when he said my ring was only worth $125. No, 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 it's worth gazillions. And I'm telling you what, it reminds me of my wife. My wife was born in Kansas, Kansas, the sunflower state. In Texas, every time I see a sunflower, I'm reminded of how much God loves me by giving me that sunflower from Kansas. And sometimes I'll pick a sunflower and I'll take it home to my wife and I'll say, thank you. I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, not anybody can put up living with a preacher for all these 41 years, but my wife has stood by the stuff and been faithful. You know, I can look in my wife's eyes and and just tell her, I've been faithful to you and you alone all these years. I've been faithful to you and she can do the same thing to me. And we're just so thankful that the Lord put us together many years ago. Not just anybody can be a pastor's wife. Not just anybody. But when God puts the call on a man, then God puts the call on the lady. And there's lessons to learn, and there's uh, blessings to have, and there's burdens to bear. But I'm telling you, it's very special being a pastor's wife. And I tell you what, uh, we're praying for her. Uh, My heart has been uh, just praying, praying, praying for that dear lady. Um, She's not flamboyant or anything like that, uh, but you can see her behind the scenes doing this and that, and as so many pastors' wives will do, they're just trying to always make their husband look good, always. And I think she's doing a good job, and I thank the Lord for that. Also thank the Lord for uh, the folks that are taking care of the nursery. Isn't that a blessing? It's a blessing that uh, people are taking care of the nursery and stuff like that, You know that's that's a talent that I'm glad God hadn't given me. But I'm willing if if God wants me to do it, I'll I'll do the very best I can for His glory. But I'm telling you what, there are things that I cannot look at, and certainly things I cannot smell. I think you've got to be able to do both those things in order to take, take care of a nursery. And so I'm I'm thankful for the nursery workers. I'm thankful for Brother Caleb back there, faithful doing his job. He said, "Now I'm going to teach you some technology." he showed me where the on and off button was and uh, I think i passed I'm on okay he said it was idiot proof and so I'm I'm not an idiot now that's proof of that and uh, thank you brother Caleb thank you thank you thank you and God bless you dear people Colossians chapter 1 if you would look with me at verse 21 Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 we're going to pick up in here uh, the church that the apostle Paul under the inspiration of God has written to you realize that all Scripture is given by God and is profitable? That means Old Testament Scriptures too. It's profitable. We have people that categorize everything. They say, oh, that's Old Testament. Or they'll say, oh, that's, uh, that was written to the Romans, and that was written to the Colossians, and that was written to the churches of Galatia. Well, you can just explain away the whole Bible and nothing applies to you. But the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And it doesn't matter you know, whether it's the, the jots or the tittles or the commas. There's something there. And uh, the begats, there's something there. Any, anywhere and everywhere, you just open it up anywhere, there's something for you and something for me. Your pastor last night complimented me about as high of a compliment as, as I could want. And that is when I open up the Bible, I see, I see practical things. I'm not a, a uh, I may be a pathetic preacher, but I'm not a prophetic preacher. Now, I can give you, uh, I can tell you what's going to happen, but uh, there's a lot of people that uh, uh, <clears throat> Netanyahu sneezes in the Middle East and they'll come out with 10 reasons why Jesus is coming back tomorrow. You see? And uh, there are people, and it's, it's generally this it's generally 80% Bible. I mean, gen, generally uh, 20% Bible and 80% speculation. I can't preach that way. I can't preach like that. I won't preach like that. And so I'm not what you call a, I may be a pathetic preacher, but I'm not a prophetic preacher, okay? Uh, I can't do that. Now, there are people that can just do all kinds of things all through the Bible. But one thing that God has opened my eyes to is to see how that we can find some practical things from His Word, practical preaching, practical things. And so whenever we open up the Bible, we are hoping and praying that God will show us the truth of His Word and how we can apply it to make ourselves a better Christian. Be more Christ-like in all that we say and do. And so with that in mind, and with the fact of the song that these dear uh, brethren sang tonight, I want you to see uh, what we have to say in the Lord. Verse 21, And you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind, by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Isn't that a wonderful statement from uh, inspired by God? And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. And how did he reconcile? In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight of God. That's the will of God for us. Right there. That, that we might be uh, presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Being grounded and settled, not moved away. That, that kind of reminds me of just being found faithful. Being found faithful. And here we go again, verse 23. If ye continue in the faith... "...grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, of of which uh, was preached to every creature uh, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church." Whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mysteries which had hid from ages and from generation, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." on whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'll help us to say what we need to say tonight. And I pray that I would be ever so sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to lead, follow, and guide His direction. And I pray, Father, that You would speak to the uh, listener as well, the live streamers that are out there tuned in, turned on, turned in. And I pray that, Lord, uh, You'll speak to their hearts, and the distractions would be minimal for them and minimal for us. But, Lord, that we would have a heart uh, yearning for the Word of God, that we may behold wondrous things from Your Word, But Lord, that Your Word would excite us, And Father, enable us to do that which you would have us to do. May thy will be done. Bless according to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I believe as things get worse and worse in this decade, and by the way, it started off getting uh, from bad getting worse to worse. And you know, the Bible says things aren't getting better, they're going to get worse. But in the end, it's going to be better. I've read the end of the book. It's going to be better. And uh, we're on the winning side. Amen. And I'm, I'm thrilled about that. But in the process, things are getting worse and worse. And we all not be surprised with it. I'm just, I guess the greatest surprise I have is how things can turn so quickly. How things can be so bad so quickly. And, uh, uh, and now I see how things can be put together. One world religion, one world government, one world money system, all that. I, I, it just, it just, it's coming together. And uh, so on the one hand, I'm excited. On the other hand, I even so quickly, come Lord Jesus. Amen? Even so quickly, and that's what we're looking forward to. Now, uh, things are getting worse and worse in this decade, uh, and, and, and we, uh, we, and especially our children, will face hard times for their faith. Living by faith. We must prepare our kids and ourselves for what lies ahead. If you see something coming, the foolish turns his head and acts like everything's okay. But if you see things are getting worse, we need to prepare our hearts and we need to prepare the hearts of our children. And constantly reminding, uh, keep looking on the eastern sky, Jesus is coming again. But in the process, teach them how to handle issues and problems and things that they're going to be faced with. You know, there are things that 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 are happening today that uh, Fifty years ago when I was uh, 15 years old, 15, 16 years never dreamed. Never dreamed in my lifetime that things would happen the way it's happening. Never dreamed in my lifetime sodomy would have such a high estate in America. Never dreamed that. Never had any idea that there would be three genders. I always thought male and female, made he them. That's what the Bible says. But you've got Bible deniers out there. And the Bible says they're foolish. They're fools. They deny God. They deny His Word. They deny His workings. Now, God's people ought to be wise and not foolish. There's some things that we're going to have to prepare uh, our kids for for the future. I think at a a young age, you need to say, boys and girls. That's the way God intended. He didn't intend. You could use the farm, for instance, as an illustration. One rooster don't chase the other rooster uh, trying to... Uh, hold arm in arm with a, another rooster. No, they fight. <laughs> okay, so I mean, there's just things that we need to teach our children. Now, I have learned when planting tomatoes, uh, you can bury most of the plant. I didn't know that. I used to think you just barely put the roots underground and everything be okay. I wonder why things just always didn't um, didn't establish so so well. But I learned that you can break the, the limbs off, and just bury 85% of the plant. And the more you bury, the more root system it has. The better grounded it is. The better fruit it will prop- uh, produce as a result. I didn't know that. Uh, it, it needs a root system to make it a healthy plant. Now, Paul instructs the church at Colossae to be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable there in verse 22 holy, pure, unblameable. The world cannot point at you and say you're the reason. And also uh, that we might be unreprovable. In order for that to be, we must be grounded and settled in the faith. Being grounded and settled in the faith requires maturity. We've got to grow. Faith cometh by what? And hearing by what? What if you don't have the right kind of word? What if you have something else? You see, I believe the King James Bible is the complete inerrant, infallible word of God. If I were racing horses and I have a horse that was always winning, why would I ever trade the horse for a new, updated, and improved horse? If the old one is still working and doing what it's supposed to do, we maintain And I'm telling you, folks, uh, this is the Word of God. You can practice what it says. You can reproduce the Word of God and send it around the world. But you take another version and reproduce it, someone's going to take you to court and say you've violated copyright laws because it's attributed to men. They've got to make the money off of it. This King James Bible is not copyrighted. It is the complete, inerrant, infallible Word of God. We can re- reproduce it and send it everywhere. Yeah. To God be the glory. Being grounded in the Word. Maturity is gained by preaching the Word. Warning from the Word and teaching wisdom from the Word. There in verse 28. As a pastor, I am to instruct people from the Word. I am to warn and to encourage you in the faith. That is my responsibility. If I shirk my duties as a man of God and just constantly preach uh, everything, love. God is love. God is love. But, but, But God is more than just love, I'm telling you. And so we've got to preach the whole counsel of God. And if a person is wise, they want to hear the whole counsel of God. I don't always appreciate what I hear, but, but I, I spend time in prayer and I say, okay, God, you speak into my heart. You're trying to instruct me on something. And when God confirms his word into your heart, uh, you're better for it. You can be a better child of God. Now, the reason Satan works to destroy your faith is to make you unfaithful. Found faithful. Found, let's turn it around. What does faithful mean? Full of faith. That's the way the child is. God is supposed to be found. When God uh, comes back, He finds us faithful. We're faithful uh, as, as a child of God. We're faithful to the Word. We're faithful with our family. We're faithful in our work. We're faithful. We ought to be found faithful. That characterizes the, the right kind of Christian uh, that the child of God ought to be. I want to define the word faith. Faith simply means trust. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's just simply trust. Faith. You have faith in God. You have faith in this Word. You are found serving, trusting God, and people can see the faith that you have as a result. Faith is not a leap in the dark. It is a confident step of faith. Trusting God. Faith is opposite of fear. <clears throat> Where there's a lack of faith, there's a presence of fear. Where there's a presence of fear, there's a lack of faith. Uh, we have, I hear a jingle constantly: uh, "Cars for kids." Anybody hear that uh, commercial at all? "Cars for K-A-R-S, cars for kids." You Ever heard that one? I, 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 yeah, some of y'all have. Kind of catchy tune. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Psalm 56, verse 3. That's the same. Comm- I don't sing it as good as they do, but I taught my grandkids. Boy, they'd get fearful. The lights would go off and they'd become fearful. And I'd say, What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Psalm 56, verse 3. And they'd say, But Papa, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Psalm 56 verse 3. Okay, Papa, let me sing it with you. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Nobody asked me to sing, you know that? I never could understand why I'm not on the singing roster. Yeah, I can too understand. Brother Roloff is one of my heroes of the faith. And boy, there are a lot of people that say, he couldn't sing worth a flip. Well, it sure touched my heart. Every time Brother Roloff opened his mouth, it touched my heart. And he was my pastor for a while. I loved loved every moment that uh, I got to hear him preach, and I've heard him preach hundreds of times. God is good. Faith is the opposite of fear. If you're a fearful person, there's a lack of faith. One day that uh, we were in Philadelphia, Missouri, pastoring the church, and I was coming across the street. We would, we would stay at the church until the last person left, and the parsonage was right across the street from the church. And uh, some of those people, it was really funny, but uh, well, we have an open door uh, with them, and um, we had farmers that, go, that get up early, so they go to bed early. But we had some factory workers that uh, uh, they work through the night, and they go to bed in the mornings, and that was fine. Uh, but nobody seemed to call the preacher at the right time. Uh, Brother Schrock would call me about four o'clock in the morning, and uh, he just thought the whole world was up by then. And some of those factory workers would call me about midnight, thinking the whole world was up then. It didn't make any difference. I don't care. You can call me anytime you want to. I tell our folks that all the time. Just make sure I answer the phone. Uh, a, a bad night of sleep, I'm, I'm generally not a, a, a grouch. Uh, and, and some people, if they don't have their afternoon nap, they're a grouch. That's why I always encourage our folks to take an afternoon nap at, uh, on Sunday. I don't want any grouches. I want everybody to be right and ready with the Lord. Well, <clears throat> we were coming down the steps uh, after everybody had left, my daughter and I. And uh, Philadelphia, Missouri, is, is way out in the country. I mean... Uh, we're, We're 30 miles from nowhere, okay? It's just way out there in the country. Philadelphia was a small community of 200 counting cats, dogs, and canaries. Not a whole lot of folks there. And so as we were crossing the road, all of a sudden, the electric went out everywhere. And so being that far from any big city, it was dark. You couldn't see anything. And my little girl started getting upset. Daddy, daddy, I can't see. I said, honey, (laughs) you don't have to see. You're in my arms. You're in my hands. Daddy, but I can't see. You don't have to see. You're in my hands. But daddy, you don't have to see. I've got you. Nothing is going to happen to you as long as I have you. Guess who we're in the hands of? Do we have to see? No. Let's trust. Let's trust. Let's put our trust and confidence in God Almighty. Problem is, is we've got to see. No. We've got to trust. And we'll talk more about seeing versus living by faith. Faith is not sight living. It's not looking for open doors or fleeces. I've had so many people say, oh, well, I'm looking for my fleece. <laughs> what you're saying is, is I'm sight living. I'm waiting to see that open door. What you're saying is, I'm sight living. Faith says, you go, the door will open when you get there. Faith says, you go, and the Red Sea will part. Yeah, they didn't explain to Moses how the Red Sea was going to part when they get there. Mo, stand still and see the salvation. They were there. And ladies and gentlemen, we we need to we need to advance forward for the cause of Christ. The, the, we, we're on a march. We ought to be doing what God says. We ought not be looking for things that aren't there and trying to feel things that aren't, that aren't felt. We, we trust by faith. We trust God. And God says, move. We move. That's... That's the way it's supposed to work. Not living by sight. I had a fellow one time say, well, I'm just waiting waiting on my fleece. I said, well, hey, why don't we throw out a fleece like this? Is it God's will for you to come to church? Yeah. Well, why don't you just throw a fleece out before God and say, Lord, if you want me to come to church, put a $100 bill under my pillow. And then you say, well, Lord, uh, but I'm not going to spend it for myself. I'll just put it in church. So, so, he's not going to benefit at all. And why don't you just pray that way? You're looking for a fleece. Let's just find out if God's will for you to go to church. Is it God's will for you to read your Bible? Is it God's will for everybody to be saved? And well, let's just put that under the pillow, too, and say, Lord, if it's your will for people to be saved and my will to spread the gospel, or your will for me to spread the gospel, put a $100 bill under my pillow. It ain't going to happen. You know why? Because God expects the righteous to live by faith not sight living. Faith defined is trust. Faith enables us to find the will of God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now let's look at that, trust in the Lord. Have faith in God with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy... Don't try to figure it out. There's too much of us into too many things. What we need to do is is disregard what we think, how we feel, and say, Lord, if this is what thou would have me to do, count me in. I volunteer. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding... In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. What is the root word of acknowledge? No. In all thy ways, what? Know Him. If you know God, if you know me, let just turn this thing around. If you know me, you know that I, it's not my DNA to try to hurt anybody. But there's always somebody saying, you're trying to hurt me. I came to church and you said this and you knew I was guilty. No, I didn't know you're guilty and it doesn't matter because I get my orders from headquarters. And I'm trying to preach the whole counsel of God. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to help everybody. One time I preached in Philadelphia and I preached about something and uh, and I had five people uh, hit me up at the back of the door saying, uh, you you were preaching about me. You were preaching about me. And I said, well, if you I I quoted what Brother Roloff used to say. If you had a pack of dogs, and you take a rock and you throw it into the pack of dogs, how do you know which one you hit? The one that yelps. (laughs) Now I know that you five people are guilty of what I was talking about. There are a lot of people. uh, They just don't know God's will. And if you know God, you'll know what honors him, You'll know what pleases him. You'll know what he wants. You'll know what he doesn't want. You'll just know those things because you know God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now, how does he do that? Does he, uh, is it the open doors that we're looking for? Is it the fleece that we're looking at? No. Somehow, miraculously, as you trust God and you put that step of faith down, then He's guiding and directing you. And you look back, ahead of you, it looks like a maze. Behind you, you're amazed at the way God has brought you. God is good. Faith enables us to find the will of God. Faith should be taught and performed in the home. We ought to be teaching some things in the home. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22 and 23, By faith, when he was born, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Where did Moses learn faith from? His parents. Moses learned faith from his parents. Moses gives us a formula to develop faith in our home. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. This is a real good uh, set of verses, uh, parents. It says, "...and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children." And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thy eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. I don't think church is the only place you ought to act and sound religious. I think you ought to be religious at home. You ought to be religious at work. And when you're sitting down, you're thinking and talking uh, the great things of God. Your family sees your commitment at home to the Lord, your commitment at church to the Lord, your business dealings, uh, that you're committed to the principles of God's Word. They see that. They sense that. They feel that. They were raised that way. I think so many kids become hostile toward the things of God is because mom and dad are one way at church and another way at home. God help us. That's a formula to develop faith in the home. Timothy developed faith in his home. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 5, says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, meaning the sincere faith, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Uh, Timothy had lots of issues, lots of troubles, a lot of problems. You read the letter from Paul to Timi- Timothy, and he had, man, he had uh, problems with, in the ministry. He had problems with his women. He had uh, personal problems. Uh, he had problems that, I mean, he was on the verge of misbehaving and quitting the ministry. On the verge of it all. And the Apostle Paul was writing to him and telling him some things. And, uh, the big thing is that uh, he had this sincere faith. You know, when, you're, when you have sincerity about you in serving God, uh, sincerity goes along with humility. God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And a sincere person is, is full of humility. But the other kind of person, they're not going to admit wrong. They're not going to say they could have done things better. They're not going to do all that because in their way of thinking, it makes them look less than what they are. But for the humble person, he's just sincere. She's just sincere. And we ought to be sincere in the faith, but sincerely right in the faith. All right? So we see that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through... Faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So I'm simply saying here that, that faith should be taught in the homes. We ought to be encouraging our children at a young age to live by faith. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, not only should faith be taught in the home, but faith is a shield of protection from the devil. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, above all, Taking the shield of faith, wherein you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The devil is constantly throwing them darts of doubt. Uh, those, those darts of, of sin and bitterness and all those things. You know, it, it, anybody can be bitter about anything. The devil will see to it, we have plenty of opportunities to get bitter. Because if we get bitter, it's going to destroy us. It's going to spiritually destroy us, it'll physically destroy us. And so what we've got to do is take that shield of faith and fight those uh, and guard ourselves uh, from those fiery darts of hell. And as the devil uh, throws it, I mean, he's hitting the shield. Now, just how much faith do you have? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God, all right? So the more Word of God that you have digested and made part of your life, the bigger the shield of faith. And so as you grow in the faith, your shield grows. And one of these days, uh, you're going to have a shield bigger than you are. And it's going to be impossible for the devil to hit you with them darts. But until then, your, your shield is about as big as your fist and here comes the darts and you're trying, to, you're trying to do that. Well, grow your faith. That's the answer. Because faith is protection from the devil. It's the shield that we need. Thank God. Not only is faith a shield of protection from the devil, but faith enables you to do the impossible. How many ever thought that you could do what you're doing today? For the things of God. Maybe, maybe it might be witnessing. Maybe it might be a good parent. Maybe it might be a good husband or a good wife. I mean, before you had the faith, you were lousy at everything. But since you've had the faith, you've developed some character. You show up to work before they start. That's Character. Five minutes late is not character. I always tell my kids if you're not there 15 minutes before, you're late. When I was working uh, in a machine shop, there was a fellow that would come to work every day four hours early. And one day I asked his son, Why does your dad come so early? He said, He's crazy. He said, my dad has this idea that if he goes out there and starts his car and it doesn't work, he can walk to work and still be on time. I said, that's not crazy. That's principle. That's character. And far too often we're, we're praising people on talent when we ought to be praising people on character. Character. Showing up on time. Not calling in sick when you're not sick. In fact, I know a lot of people, they'll, they'll go to work sick, but if they suspect they might be getting sick, they'll stay home from church. That's inconsistent with their principle. See, one way you're making money, the other way you're sitting in church. I think if you can go to work, you can go to church. Amen? That's what I believe. I just think it takes character to just be consistent in some things. And so what I'm trying to say is, faith enables you to do the Impossible. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, "...by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry, dry land. And the Egyptians, assaying saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Who, through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword." Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Faith enables you and me to do the impossible. Faith didn't take away their, their pain, but gave them the will to carry on. I was talking to this dear brother's daddy uh, the, today, a uh, very interesting guy. Uh, appreciate it very much just being able to visit with him. But he says, I'm in constant pain. I'm in constant pain. And I talked to him, I said, you know, uh, people that are in constant pain sometimes can be a pain to everybody else. Walk on eggs. Be quiet. You don't want to disturb them because anything you say uh, can and might be used against you. Anything. Because Some people are just... uh, they allow pain to control uh, how they're going to treat everybody else. I have a lot of, I, I'm not in much pain much of the time, but I, I work real hard to be a sweet person when I'm in pain. I had this knee completely replaced. This knee needs to be replaced. But when this knee was, uh, they saw off one bone, uh, one bone, they saw it off and clamped something on, they saw off another bone. I woke up twice during surgery. Yeah, I could I I could talk about a charismatic experience. I saw lights. <laughs> it was the surgical lights above us. I heard zzzz, and while I was awake, I thought, whoa, they're cutting on my bones. And I went back to sleep. And so I told my wife, I said, it just seems like the people that we love the most we can give the hardest time to do. do this. Don't do that and be so demanding and then get aggravated because they don't know what you're thinking. God help us. I said, I don't want to be that way. I want to be, I, I want to be sweet as pudding and pie. And then when it all got over with, uh, three weeks later, you know, when the pain and the process and everything, I said, honey, be truthful. How did I do? I said, you passed. folks if we're not careful we can let circumstances make us a crab it might be the pains of life who knows but faith will enable us to do his will while going through the pains of life faith didn't change the outcome but gave the strength to stand found faithful faithful Faith is thought foolish by the majority, but according to Hebrews 11, verse 6, faith pleases God. So I'm telling you, faith enables us to do the impossible. Faith is the way of life for the saved person. In Habakkuk 2, verse 4, he says, "...the just shall live by his faith." In Romans 1, verse 17... Again, the just shall live by faith. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now, the just shall live by faith. Now, I'm telling you, faith is the way of life for the justified. For those of us who have been saved, It's the way of life. People know that we're supposed to be people of faith. And we ought to be found faithful. Faith ought to to, to, to show everybody that we trust in God. It's It's not in our physical ability. We do all we can do, but God does the rest. God doesn't expect you to allow others to do for you what you can do for yourself. You do all you can do for yourself. And then when you need help, the Bible commands us to bear the burdens of others. Not their bearable burdens, but their unbearable burdens. The Bible says we're to bear our own burdens. That means to bear our bearable burdens that we can handle. It may be tough, it may be hard, but we're to do all we can do to do all we can do. And when we've done all we can do, then God has put on the hearts for others to help us to bear those unbearable loads. Can I tell you that faith produces works? You know, there's some things that because I believe, then this is the way I act. If I walked into a lion's uh, pen, I, I, I'd have to have some kind of a protection because I think I'm not safe. I, put, I, I lock up my, my, my car. I lock up my house. Why? Because I think that there might be a thief out there. Man, if a man would rob God, he'd rob anybody, right? Churches are full of God robbers. (laughs) Oh, we just give to God when it's convenient and we'll just give our pocket change. That's not what God says. A tenth is a tenth. And then you are to give of your offerings. What's that? That's beyond your tenth. A tenth goes into the offering to be determined... uh, by the pastor where it should be spent what the needs are but then god speaks to your heart and says there's a missionary or there's this or there's that or there and, and you put that in and the, the problem is that so many people think the only time they're supposed to give is when they can afford that's not what the bible says you know that's one of the ways that god can bless your home the windows of heaven the bible says if you'll be right with god with your tithes and offerings and the Bible says to give and it shall be given. And you give more and you get more and you give more and you get more. You should not be wrong with God when it comes to tithing. That ought to be common sense for a child of God. God has done so much for us. Cannot we trust him with our finances? We trust him with our eternal uh, beings. We tr- trust his word. But when, when his word says give and it shall be given, we, 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 well, we just, we just can't afford it. That's not how you give. You give to God first. Well, okay, well, I did, but then I couldn't pay the light bill. Well, you're going to have to develop a pattern of giving, 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 being right with God in this area of giving. Just because I give an extra dime to something doesn't mean I'm going to get an extra dollar. But somehow, way, God is going to bless me by giving that extra dime. I cannot always connect the dots, but I can know this. The Bible says, give and it shall be given. You give a little, you get a little. You give a lot, you get a lot. And I have learned in my uh, life that uh, when, when, I, when I give, uh, when, when I'm, especially if I see a need coming, then I give an offering. I give more. Uh, why? Because I see a need coming. And I believe that verse, you give and God gives. You give by faith, God gives by promise. Give and it shall be given. Give and it shall be given. Well, that's one way you can find blessings for the home. I don't know if I told this story or not, but Brother Glenn Yoder, uh, you know, they come out of the Amish and everything like that, and he was growing in the faith, and boy, he was eating up everything we shared with on the Bible, and one day he said, Preacher, you talk about tithing. He said, we've never been taught tithing in the Amish. Teach me tithing. And I did the very best I could, and it wasn't but a year or two later that God so blessed his business. He started a business, and God so blessed it. That he was one of the best givers in the church. And God has used his family in great and glorious ways. I'm going to tell you something. Most of us have far better home than what he had. And vehicle. You had a vehicle at one time, way back yonder. I mean, just, I don't think it was a Prius either. But I'm telling you that he didn't have much but he gave what he could give and then God gave him a business and he exercised character on that business and he gave to the Lord God has blessed me. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest blessings that God could give me more than a nice house or a fancy car like a Jeep or something. But what, what God can do for me is if I know that my kids are walking in truth. How many preachers you got in the family now? Four preachers. How many kids do you have? Except some of them are adopted. Aren't you proud of what God is doing here Bible Baptist Church and how God is using your son? I knew a man. I, I, I have a man uh, in our church that uh, he reached down. And he was giving uh, above and beyond the call of duty. And... Uh, and when it come to a missionary, man, he would just extra give, extra give. Well, because the oil field was changing, they started using the big companies instead of his company. And then before long, he didn't have a company. But he kept, he sold all of his equipment out, tithe and gave offerings. Uh, he downsized and downsized until he had nothing. But he was still faithful. And to this day, faithful. Has nothing to thank. Faithful. God reached down and uh, called his youngest son into the ministry. And his youngest son is doing great and glorious things. And this dear brother is just so pleased that God is using his son. And it all started back when he was reaching down deep, giving to the cause of Christ for this person, for that person, for that person, for that person. And then God reached down and said, no, not for the oldest. No, not. And they're all good, brilliant people. Oldest. The daughter is is in our church and she's wonderful, wonderful lady. No, not her. He reached down and here was this skinny little kid. Why do they got to be skinny little kids for God to use them so much? What's wrong with us fat kids? So God reached down and spoke to the heart of this young man. Now he's doing great and glory. You tell me that's not God blessing. That's one of many ways God blesses. You do right by God and sometimes it's a coupon that God shows you and you're able to save. Sometimes it's the fact that you don't go to the doctor as often. Sometimes your car lasts a little longer. Sometimes you find a deal. Sometimes someone says, hey, look, can you work for me for a few hours? And gives an opportunity to make some extra money and they overpay you. You ever been overpaid? <laughs> yeah, you have. You know that. Sometimes you have got paid what you think you're worth, and it's half of what it really was worth. Faith produces works. Faith enables the child of God to resist the devil. You can say no to the devil and yes to the Lord. You can. Faith says, no, I'm not going to do that. To whom you yield yourself, servants to obey, his servants you are. You're going to yield it to righteousness, or are you going to re- yield it to unrighteousness? You're going to yield it to the things of God, or are you going to yield it to the things of the world? What are you going to yield yourself servants to obey? By faith, you can say, I trust God. This is what I need to do. No world, no flesh, no, no, no. And mean it by faith. And mean it. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Lastly, almost lastly, faith is the only plan of salvation. Faith justifies the sinner. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is the vehicle to salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. When grace is not grace and works and work is not work it is found in Romans eleven six. And if by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Oh, all you have to do is trust in Jesus and be baptized. That's not grace. Trust in Jesus. See? Uh, Because I've trusted in Jesus, I got baptized. I became a member of the Gardendale Baptist Church as a child. I went out trying to keep people out of hell because of my faith. And that happened as a result of being saved. Not in order to be saved. And there's a whole lot of people that think, well, I've got to do this and this and this and it just seems reasonable to them. But it's not right with the Bible. We are saved by faith. Faith. Trusting God. Saved by faith. And lastly, your faith can be shipwrecked. In 1, Peter chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 19, the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy who was about to shipwreck his faith. He says, holding faith And a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. How disastrous it is to see someone that loves God and lives for the Lord and gives testimony and doing great and glorious things for disappointment to come into their life and for them to start holding back. And before long they're hitting and missing coming to church, and then before long it's more missing than hitting. And then their family, their children grow up to see that and feel that and sense that. And if mom and dad uh, don't think much of God, don't think much of his church, the bride of Jesus Christ, they don't think much of that. If, if, if the children see that at home, why should they? What, che- what parents do in moderation, children do in excess. You hit and miss, they, they won't come at all. And then they'll grow up and marry the wrong sort, have children, and before long you'll have heathen ch- grandchildren that don't know the Lord. You might have gotten right with God and gotten back into church, but you've allowed the devil to do some hard things in your children's life in that process of being wrong with God. I'm talking about holding faith. Holding it. Maintaining it. Timothy was about to throw in the towel and give it all up. And Apostle Paul, Paul, under the inspiration of God, says, holding faith. And he gave some example of some who had... Taken their faith and made shipwreck out of it. The love of money can shipwreck your faith. He said this to Timothy. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Which some, while some covet after, they have erred from the faith. Pierced themselves through many sorrows. Parents, be parents first and foremost. Make your money to live on but make your big bucks when they leave the nest. Do what you got to do. Make your big bucks then. I mean, sometimes God enables you with a a business and you're able to uh, grow the business and do quite well and and have adequate time with the family. I'm going to tell you something. Business isn't going to make a hill of beans toward the end of your life, but children that love God and committed to the things of God will. That'll mean a whole lot to you. Satan can shipwreck your faith. The Apostle Paul said to the churches of Galatia, he said, you did run well. We did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. Satan is in this shipwreck. business. He is hindering. He is harming. He is hurting. He is doing his best to stop you from growing in the faith. He wants you to see all those things that would cause you to get angry and mad about something. He'll allow you to hear partial truth from the pastor. I mean, he'll preach the whole council, but you'll only hear partial truth and assume the worst and the devil will take that and start magnifying that in your heart. Before long, you you got odds with your pastor, odds with the people in church, and you're out the door and you ship, your your faith is just about to be shipwrecked. The devil is in the business of doing that. Don't let him do that. Ladies and gentlemen, be found full of faith. Let's every head be bad.